That is a prayer we just sang, isn't it? For the world we raise our voices, for the home that gives us birth. In our joy we sing returning home to our blue-green hills of earth. I love this season, and I know you do too, this season of slowly unfolding warmth and growth, this invitation to be in touch again with our good earth. Earlier this week, I was driving down the highway, and a little patch of grass in the median caught my eye because it was green, which it hadn't been for a pretty long time. And the thought came to mind, just that right now, it is enough. The choir just sang, look at the world, so many joys and wonders, so many miracles along the way, so many miracles along our way. A line so beautiful and true that Lisa suggested that we print it in the order of service, and we did. And isn't that the invitation of this day and this season? Look at the world and look inside yourself. In addition to what is painful and broken and even what is dying, see that there's more that there is beauty and wonder and cause for joy. So many miracles, if we will only look for them. And that's the challenge, right? And why we need Easter to be reminded to look up and look out and lift up our hearts. The poet Mary Oliver wrote a few lines that speak to this need. They are also like a prayer. Another morning and I wake with thirst for the goodness I do not have. I walk out to the pond and all the way God has given us such beautiful lessons. Oh Lord, I was never a quick scholar, but sulked and hunched over my books past the hour and the bell. Grant me, in your mercy, a little more time. Love for the earth and love for you are having such a long conversation in my heart. Who knows what will finally happen or where I will be sent. Yet already I have given a great many things away, expecting to be told to pack nothing, except the prayers which, with this thirst, I am slowly learning. Some of you may be rather tired of this cool spring we have been having. having. Not me. I always hope for spring to unfold slowly, slowly. I actually prefer a kind of two steps forward, one step back kind of spring. I prefer that over what we get some years, which is this headlong rush from freezing cold straight into full-blown summer 
Do you know what I'm talking about? I want to savor spring slowly. But maybe I'm just slow by nature, like a turtle or something. But what about Easter? Do you ever think that the swing from Good Friday to Easter Sunday can seem a wee bit dramatic? Like it could give you whiplash? Suffering, death, devastation, sad. I'm channeling my non-existent Twitter account. And then, hallelujah, he is risen, joy. Maybe it's just me, but I can be like, whoa, what just happened? I can be wary of good news that comes too fast. I worry that it can't be true and that I'm only going to be disappointed in time. Sometimes slow is good and necessary. Grant me in your mercy a little more time. Love for the world and love for you are having such a long conversation in my heart. A few years ago, I was talking with my spiritual director about the resurrection, and she said, I think the resurrection took longer than three days. I don't know if she was thinking about the followers of Jesus or her own experiences and understanding. Maybe both. But this idea that resurrection takes time, it feels right to me. Kind of like a slowly unfolding spring. Kind of like the recovery you experience when you have reached rock bottom and you start the long, slow walk of recovery. I don't think you're jumping for joy at the start of that journey, are you? Or like the path of grief, or the path of coming back from loss or betrayal. It takes time to find your way back to hope and joy. More than three days. And I think that must have been true for the disciples, too. The oldest version of the story, which is found in the Gospel according to Mark, ends with the women finding the tomb empty and running away in terror and amazement. The followers of Jesus must certainly have scattered after his death, fearing for their own lives. But they remembered what it was like when he was in their presence And they got back together and they told stories and sometimes they sensed his presence in their midst. Bible scholar Marcus Borg says that we modern people can confuse resurrection with resuscitation. Resuscitation is like those things you see on TV when they bring out those paddles. It's bringing somebody back to life who you know somewhere down the road is going to die again. But if you pay attention to the stories of the empty tomb and later the appearances of Jesus to his friends on a road or 
by the sea or in a room where they have gathered, these stories have a dreamlike quality to them. Don't touch me because I am going to be with God implies a different kind of presence and existence. Sometimes I wander around this old building in the middle of the week when I'm all alone here. Not that I'm all alone all the time, don't worry. But sometimes out of the corner of my eye, I see something or someone, and I turn and look. And of course, when I turn and look, I don't see anyone there. And I wonder about that. Have you ever had the sense that someone you knew and loved who has died is somehow still near you? Some of you have told me about these experiences you've had, which are certainly not the same as that person coming back to life, but there is something that you sense. And you tell me that you are grateful for this presence and this connection. Something happened among the friends and followers of Jesus in the years following his death. They felt his spirit moving in their midst. And they came to see the empty tomb as a powerful symbol of the fact that even death could not contain his spirit. And we can still sense that liberating and life-giving presence today, moving among us, as Marcus Borg writes, still loose in the world. This story has great power for me. And I know it doesn't for all of you. And the last thing I want to do today is try to convince you to embrace it if it isn't the path that calls to you. I love and appreciate our theological diversity, and we need one another our different perspectives and theologies. And isn't there something universal about Easter? Isn't there within us a need and a longing to be in touch with the depths and the mysteries of life, with both the shadows and the light, with death and with loss and brokenness? We know all about those things, yes. But don't we need to be reminded that that is not the whole story? This is my faith, and it is an Easter faith, and it is also a universalist faith, that we are part of a great love that will never let us go, a love that is stronger even than death, that in the end, love wins. And this theology has real-life implications and consequences. You remember those protests almost two years ago in Richmond, Virginia, that started because of some old Civil War monuments. 
and that ended with one person, a woman named Heather Heyer, being killed by a white supremacist who drove his car into a crowd of people. Lots of people of faith were at those protests also. Some of them people that I know and am friends with. They were facing down those neo-Nazis and white supremacists and fearing for their own lives in those moments because they knew the other side was armed and the police had retreated. They were nowhere to be found. But still, those people stood there arm in arm and they chanted this, love has already won. They proclaimed this positive theological statement and they put their bodies on the line because of it. Love has already won. In my prayer time on Friday, I was mindful of the hard and sad story that many people were remembering that day. Jesus' trial and beating and execution, his slow and painful dying on the cross. And out of that silence, I heard these words. It is going to be all right. Of course, my little brain kicked in, and I had the thought, is that just my ego trying to jump ahead to Easter Sunday? But that voice didn't sound like my ego voice. And then I thought of Jesus, and I wondered, did he hear this voice in his suffering in the garden at his trial, on the cross? I hope so. I hope and trust that he heard God saying to him, it is going to be all right. And I hope you can hear that too. This is the message of Easter. Come what may, it is going to be all right. I am with you. Your great mistake, the poet David White says, is to act the drama as if you were alone. You know, don't you, it's not recommended to go through life either believing that you have been abandoned or thinking that you are entirely self-sufficient. Surely, the poet writes, even you at times have felt the grand array, the swelling presence and the chorus crowding out your solo voice. Put down the weight of your aloneness and ease into the conversation. The kettle is singing even as it pours you a drink. The cooking pots have left their arrogant aloofness and have seen the good in you at last. All the birds and the creatures of the world are unutterably themselves. Everything is waiting for you. The invitation of this day and this season is to see that life is unfolding all around us. 
is calling us and is inviting us into deeper living and more active engagement with the earth and with the spirit, with what is good and true and right. And I hope you can trust that there is no expiration date on this invitation. You have the time that you need. I don't think Jesus was the only one, but he was one who helped people to feel alive and free, and that spirit, his spirit, is still moving in our midst. The invitation is to be open to that life-giving spirit and to join in the chorus, to sing, Alleluia, He is risen. And also, Alleluia, we are risen. To trust that everything is waiting, that anything is possible. To know deep in our hearts It is going to be all right. Amen.